You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 21 on this Monday, September 25th, 2023. Josh Calloway. Tom Green, James D. Jackson. We're all back from Cincinnati. We were all there. Great trip up there to Ohio slash Kentucky. Gentlemen, how are we doing? First big road trip out of the way. We're back home this week. How are, what's the energy level? I guess we're a third of the way through the season all of a sudden. Everybody feeling good going into the you know the middle middle third here? <laughs> yeah, just a little tired, man. Those, uh, those yeah. return days are always a little brutal, especially when we have a early wake-up call like we did yesterday, but... Hey, we made it in one piece. Everybody made their flights. We got back safely. So some close calls. Good. Well, yeah, we call. we were up at four a.m. Central Time, getting up, getting ready for those flights. So, yeah, I mean, the trip was a trip, though. I mean, that was that was a good good little run, good little way to get out of Oklahoma and see some other parts of the country. It was pretty fun overall. You know, you got there win, can't complain. Cincinnati Airport, not good. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of OU fans who made the trip uh, will know what I'm talking about. The security line Saturday or Sunday morning coming back, nightmare, nightmare yeah. fuel. I thought I was never that worried, but it started to creep in a little more and more like this is getting a little closer, comfort, especially for you, Tom. I was getting a little worried for you, but mm-hmm. we all made it. It was close, though. I wasn't stressing out too much. Um, <laughs> I, ma- I made my gate like as boarding was beginning, so like I wasn't. I wasn't pushing it or anything, but I was I was worried for some people. Um, <laughs> that line was longer than they said it was. And hey, I've I've flown out of Cincinnati before and I've never seen it like that. That's that was that's what I kept hearing from all the people around me. It's like I've never seen it this bad. I, like, I don't know why why what happened then. But it was, it, seemed, like, it was like it took forty five minutes to an hour to get through it. Like it was crazy. Yeah, when like, the signs were twenty two. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. We, I thought we were there in plenty of time, and uh, we all made it, so it was fine. But it, it got a little a little nerve-wracking for a moment, but it uh, it worked out okay. Good trip, though. Uh, fun trip up there. Um, good hospitality there in Cincinnati. And uh, fun stadium, kind of a different environment. The place was rocking. Uh, fans really brought the energy. And uh, Oklahoma got the win. Like James said, we're going to break it all down for you. We're also going to look ahead just a little bit to next week's game against Iowa State. Obviously, our full game breakdown for that game will come on Thursday's episode. Uh, Also, some programming note, kind of a different schedule now moving forward. The coordinator press conference that's normally on Mondays has been ditched. Oklahoma is deciding not to do it anymore, um, which is odd, obviously, to have a change in the middle of the season. Since Brennan Venables has been hired, that's what they've done without miss every single Monday of game week. Jeff Levy, Ted Roof both have a press conference at about 1130 or so on Mondays. They're not going to have any more. So, Makes things a little easier for us because we can record the show earlier and have more time. We've kind of been cramming it in on Monday afternoons. We'll have more time and things, but sounds like we're not going to get the coordinators during the week anymore, which is going to be 
uh, you know, for OU, at least a little weird. Even going back to Lincoln Riley, we always got Alex Grinch during the week. So a little bit of a different change there moving forward. So just a, you know, small change, but a little little alteration from what fans, I think, have become used to. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, the, the biggest downside of this for us is kind of getting a chance to ask the coordinators about yeah. the next game. Because, I mean, it, it sucks to kind of have to ask them about Iowa State right after in the post game of the Cincinnati game. And that's, I mean, that's the only downside I feel like as of right now that it is, they, they don't get time to go back and look at film and really give a detailed, you know, explanation, you know, at the time of post game, just like, yeah, they're, they know that, you know, the basics of the situation. They just know, oh yeah, they got a good defensive line and, you know, we'll figure it out. They haven't, you know, they haven't had time to really look at it. So that's, that's one of the downsides. But as you said, I mean, it makes our schedule easier, but I mean, we're still getting less, you know, less uh, interaction with, them, you know, things like that. Right. You know, you know, who knows how it'll play out, though. Maybe they'll talk after practice with the players. We don't really know for entirely for sure just yet. But It's a new change. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah, just wait and see what happens. We'll wait and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, after the Iowa State game, I'm sure they won't be getting many questions about Iowa State. It's going to be pretty much <laughs> right. Exactly, yeah. Um, at <laughs> least we know, like, they're going to they're gonna know about Texas. That's a game they've they've been scouting all, all offseason. Um, so they'll, they'll be prepared for that. But, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a change. I, I've been at schools before, like my, when I've been at Auburn, where we've gotten coordinators and then just all of a sudden midseason it just stops. Usually it's when things aren't going well. But, I mean, clearly, you know, things are going pretty well for right. Oklahoma, 4-0. Um, kind of got over that hump after, you know, last year's 3-0 start and the things, you know, went in a tailspin after that. So they kind of got that monkey off their back. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, we missed out on a little bit um, with that Monday availability. But, hey, um, Oklahoma's still done a really good job of, you know, making players available, mm -hmm. coordinators available after games. I don't know how many schools mm. actually do that where they make the coordinators available right after a game. And, I mean, last week we got 16 players in over a course of two days. Yeah, right. Access has not been yeah, an issue at yeah, all. Exactly. Under exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. So going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll see how that kind of shakes things out. I actually was talking to Cincinnati's, you know, SID and football ops and stuff there uh, at the game, and they were surprised that they, the coordinators talk after games. They're like, do they always talk after games? Like, yeah, every, every game they always have, and they still will. That's not changing. But, yeah, during the week uh, will be a little little different. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, just a little, little small change for us, I guess, moving forward. So – We'll uh, see if that stays that way. I don't see why it wouldn't, but uh, that's the the way things will go moving forward. As far as the – oh, also I want to mention too, uh, just for clarity reasons, purposes, the this was not a decision that was made before Saturday. It's not like something happened on Saturday. Yeah, we were. You guys were told in the press box before the, before game, the game on Saturday yeah. that this, was, this change was coming. So it's not – I don't want people to get the impression like, oh, something must have happened Saturday. This was already a move that was, I guess, kind of in the works for a bit and uh, was a preference of Brent Venables, so. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, again, we don't know a lot more, more than that. Don't want to read into it too much, but that's what it is. Just want to make sure the fans were up to date on uh, on that. So we're still getting, getting we're still getting Venables yeah. on Tuesday. So I mean, you know, everything can work oh, out. Yeah. We'll ask yeah, we'll ask. Yeah, him, yeah, you know, right. So it's yeah, you know right. still good stuff. Absolutely. So let's get into the game. Oklahoma Cincinnati on Saturday. First real road game. We saw that a bunch of times. Obviously, they played at Tulsa. Crowd was all OU fans there. This was a hostile crowd. I do want to say a lot of OU fans made the trip. Shout yeah. out to those guys. I was yeah. not surprised because OU fans travel really well. Uh, it's <laughs> nothing new, but there was a lot of OU fans there. Uh, I was at the Reds game on Friday night. Tons of OU fans just walking around at the ballpark there in Cincinnati. And then yesterday, there was a lot of OU fans there. But don't get it twisted. Cincinnati crowd, obviously, there in Ohio. Their student section was on 
fire. It was, was a, a great environment pregame. And uh, this game was close, obviously, into the third quarter. But Oklahoma gets the job done. They win by two touchdowns. They don't cover the spread that we picked on on Thursday. I think it closed at 14 exactly, so it was a push. So for the first time this year, Oklahoma didn't cover the spread. But a good win, uh, in my opinion, on the road, two-touchdown win. Um, what do you guys think of just overall, just in general, the, the performance, the win for Oklahoma? Because i got to be honest, I've been a little surprised at the reaction – of some of the fans, not all the fans, but some of the fans in some nationally who kind of talked about this as like not that good of a win. And not that I think Cincinnati's a 10-win team or anything, but on the road, good defense, quarterback who's dynamic. You know, this this I I left Saturday impressed with Oklahoma. Like I I my opinion of them was heightened, where I feel like there's actually a, a contingent out there that thought Saturday was kind of a knock against Oklahoma. How do you guys kind of Put that into perspective from what you saw on Saturday, kind of in in a whole as a whole. Yeah, I mean, you look at the score and it doesn't jump out to you. You know, twenty sure. to six, um, and Oklahoma felt after that game that they should have put put Cincinnati away a lot earlier. A uh, couple missed opportunities, a mm -hmm. uh, couple red zone trips that kind of one resulted in a field goal, or rather, two resulted in a field goal, and one. There was that fumble by Dylan Gabriel on the on the keeper. Um, so they had their opportunities to create more separation there. But I don't think this game ever really felt like it was in doubt. Um, I mean, Cincinnati's defense came out and looked pretty good early, but Oklahoma managed to keep them in check. Uh, I think the big takeaway is that this defense is a lot better than I think any of us thought it would be coming into the season. Um, they are second nationally in scoring defense right now, allowing just eight and a half points a game. Um, situationally, they've just been so much better on third downs, fourth downs in the red zone. They're, they're you know, 11th nationally in third down defense, top 25 in red zone defense, top 25 in uh, red zone touchdown defense, only allowed three of those in seven trips. I mean, that's the definition of Ben don't break. I know Brent Venable said after the game that I don't like to look at it through that lens. Mm -hmm. That is definitionally Ben don't break. And these guys are taking pride in it. Um, yeah, I think it was Billy Bowman had a great quote about it after the game. It's like, those are just wasted yards for those teams. They're going to get down there and we're not going to let them in the end zone. Um, so, I mean, this defense, again, just steadily building and building. We heard that from Ted Roof right before the season. You know, where do you want to see coming out the A? He said, basically proof of concept. He wants to show the team – that their work is paying off. I want to show these fans that, hey, this is a different Oklahoma defense than what we saw last year. And so far, they've they've been delivering. I mean, as I said, post game and this and this this team, the Oklahoma team is just identity has changed overall. Like it's been the offense and how they performed the last couple of years, and now with Brent Venables coming in, as as most people expected, the defense is a lot better. The defense is what's carrying this team now, and that's. That's pretty much what it is. I mean, the defense is is leading this team in every, in all areas. I mean, eight point eight and a half points a game. That's amazing. I mean, you think yeah. about the defenses that they had up. They, they had defense like this over the last couple of years. There's a couple of national championships, you know, on the horizon already. You know, things like that. So, you know, the defense is carrying it. That's what it is. Danny Stessman, you know, talked about the bend don't break. I mean, he seems to like that that narrative right now, and he's playing like a bucket's award winner, as as others have said around there. I mean, he's. He's had his way and his type of leadership and everything he's done. That's what's carried this defense so far. They've they've kind of you know rolled his mentality and it's worked for the players, worked for the coaches and everything like that. And it's 
as we said, the identity of this team, man. You, you know the linebackers are going to get better when Brent Venables came around, and that's been the case so far. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get more into the offense later, but yeah, yeah. This, this offense has still been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sputtered at times here and there. It's been very good, but they don't feel like – look, they want to score every time they get the ball, but they don't feel the pressure that they need to put up 50 points to win a game. You know, they, they know that, hey, if we don't score every time – Defense has their back right now because that defense is playing with its head, hair on fire. Just incredible right now. Um, and it's taking some pressure off that offense. Um, but, yeah, it's my biggest takeaway is just how impressive that defense has been. I mean, they've allowed three touchdowns total through four games. Mm-hmm. And I know not all those games have been against the best competition, but to go on the road in your conference opener and hold the team to just two field goals – and not even, and you know, shut them out in the red zone over two, miss field goal on a fourth down stop. That's something to, you know, pat yourself on the back about if you're Oklahoma. Yeah, as I yeah. told Josh, I mean, it's the, the way this works is the offense is whenever they do get their backs against the wall, they do respond. Like you looked at the game yesterday, on Saturday, they go down for the first time, you know, a 3 0 deficit, and they go out and score on the next drive. When the SMU game got really close, you know, they came back and scored on that next drive. I mean, they they've shown that they can respond when they actually absolutely need it, you know. So they they have their firepower. It's just not consistently being put together just yet. When they figure that out, this team could be a you know this team could be a, a really really good football team. Yeah, you know, there's this funny thing that has been going on. It's just kind of sports in general are, are kind of like this. But going into the SMU game, going into this last weekend, you look around nationally. There's a lot of people putting OU on upset alert, you know, talking about these as being, you know, kind of, you know, tricky games for Oklahoma. Saw a lot of it with SMU. Saw a lot of it going to the Cincinnati game. Oklahoma wins these games, you know, by multiple scores, double digits. But then now coming out of the games, the teams they beat aren't any good. You know, it, it's – those are te- games they should have won. You know, if you can't, can't really have it both ways. If they're on upset alert and you go win comfortably, you got to give them credit for it. So I think Oklahoma – is done. Is done. Has passed every test so far. I don't have a lot of complaints so far. Uh, obviously, we'll get into the weeds of the offense being a little spotty. Certainly, there's some question marks there. But the, so far through four games, they've won every game by double double digits. Obviously, and this was again first time really getting out on the road. Place was rocking, and they got off to a, a solid start. In Saturday, I mean, they were in this game certainly for a, a while. But Oklahoma, you never felt like OU was going to lose in large part because it was hard to fathom. Cincinnati putting together drives and getting in the end zone because uh, the way the defense was playing, the way they were getting a pass rush on Emory Jones was great to see. Uh, obviously, that's something that I've kind of been missing a little bit. The first couple of games came around a lot uh, on Saturday. This defense, guys, I mean, it it it's we're a third of the way through. And like I said, when we did the postgame recap, James and I on the field, we're, you know, four games in, you can start to draw some conclusions. I mean, you're, you're getting far enough in that you can start to say things with some certainty. This defense is good. This defense is good. They can tackle. They cover ground. Um, do you have any complaints with the defense at all? I'll pose it that way. Anything? Uh, that Because right now they're getting pass rush. They're tackling well. They're forcing turnovers. They're playing great in the red zone like you guys both just articulated. They're doing a lot of winning football things right now on the defensive side. Yeah, I think you still want to see a little bit more consistency with the pass rush. Um, it just hasn't been sure. there completely. They did a good job contending Emory Jones and really just against that rushing attack in general, you know, top 10 rushing offense. And they held him to, what, 140 yards, um, which was like 
well, well, well below their season average. So they're, they're doing good on that on that part. Um, but I, I just want to see a more consistent push, some guys winning some more of those one-on-ones at the line of scrimmage. Um, you, you still see a couple busts here and there. I mean, we saw one on that uh, play by Desan McCullough. Uh, thing went for like 35 yards. Fortunately, Key Lawrence bailed him out three plays later with that interception mm-hmm. in, the, in the end zone. Um, so there's definitely still things to clean up, but I don't think there's a whole lot that's just like glaring, oh man, this is going to be an issue for this team, for, you know, against this team or this team. This defense has taken that step. You know, Brent Venables has put his imprint on this program, and you can see it here in year two. I mean, you mentioned that that play by Key Lawrence. I mean, that kind of epitomizes the way this defense has looked this year. I mean, they they give up some drives here and there. But right before halftime, which would tie the game, Key Lawrence goes up and makes an interception that, you know, you know, puts that half away. I mean, that just shows how good this defense is. They've taken small steps to make these adjustments that they didn't have last year. And this is how they've been, they lost so many close games. It was like one or two plays when you needed a big moment or a big play to happen and didn't go OU's way. And it seems to go their way now on, on the defensive side, at least. And that, I mean, that just shows how the defense is good this year. So as far as for me, I don't think there's a lot more that they can do because you don't want to ask, you know, you want perfection, but you don't want to be unrealistic mm-hmm. about it. I mean, there's still human factors to it. There's still other good players on the other side of the field. So right now, I mean, three touchdowns in four games. I mean, man, that's pretty, pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. And right I- now, you know, they're playing very good complimentary football just within the defense because there are times on Saturday where, you know, nobody's really getting home on Emory Jones, but he tries to scramble outside and a linebacker makes a play or the secondary's covering well in that particular play. There were other times on Saturday where there were coverage busts down the field Guys streaking wide open, but Danny Stutzman gets in and makes a big sack. P.J. Adebore got in and had a big play uh, on a on a. When you look, go back and look at it, there was a man wide open. Emory Jones doesn't have any time to get out to him because the pass rush got home. Like they're really balancing each other out really well uh, right now through four games, and it it's it's you know Brent Venables said back I think when was it back in the spring I can't remember. Um, the quote that's been used a lot is that Oklahoma is going to be on another planet defensively this season. They are, this is a different group mm-hmm. completely than what we saw last year. They're doing a lot of things to like, and the tests are only going to get stiffer. We've talked about that a lot. Texas is looming, but I mean, they're just doing a lot of things to like and Cincinnati, they made them look bad. I really don't think Cincinnati's bad offensively. Emory Jones is dynamic. They got some good receivers, those running backs, the, the pair of them, are both really impressive players. I, I really think Cincinnati is going to score points and be fine. I, I think Oklahoma made them look bad on Saturday, but as the year plays out and they play more Big 12 games, like that's not even close to the worst offense that Oklahoma's going to play this year in Big 12 play, in right. my opinion. They're going to play one way worse this weekend. So, you know, see, we'll see how things shake out. But, I, yeah, this Oklahoma defense has really impressed me a lot uh, so far. Yeah, I think they lead the nation in interceptions right now with eight of them. Um, the pass efficiency defense is 13th mm-hmm. in the country. I mean, it's just night and day from where they were a year ago. Um, especially you'll get scoring. They were, what, 100-something last year and second right now. Can they keep it up when this competition gets stiffer? That's the question we keep asking. They keep answering it. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think a lot more questions. Any questions that anybody has about this defense will probably be answered in two weeks. 100%. But it's hard to, you know, it's hard to pick, you know, nitpick what they've done so far through these first four games because it's just been so 
so impressive, especially when you look at where they were a year ago. 100%. So defensively, obviously, it's been great. Not a lot to complain about. Like James said, eight and a half points per game. They got up three touchdowns in four games. I mean, that that's obviously great. They're going to win a lot of games if you can do that. Offensively, it's been weird. So I, we don't know what to make of this, obviously. We talked about it in the preview show against SMU. They went on that big lull. They didn't really have a lull in the same way in this game. But obviously, you end it with only 20 points. Um, the run game continues to be not that effective. They went back to force-feeding Marcus Major and Tawi Walker. We saw no Barnes and Sawchuck again. I don't know what is up with that, especially Devontae Barnes. It makes no sense to me. Um, Dylan Gabriel was was all right. He had some some misses, but he was all right. Offensively, is there, I guess, if you're concerned, how concerned are you? Because the, this group has shown flashes in ability to be dominant. Their receivers, obviously, we talked about at, at length, have been really, really good. But I think the old line is still a bit of a question mark. And just the inability to consistently run, you know, I, it feels like that will catch up to him eventually. Maybe it won't, but it feels like it will. How do we feel about the offense right now after what we've seen through four games? Because it's been – been hit or miss so far a month you know a month in yeah I, th I think there is reason to be concerned about this rushing attack um i mean they they had only 105 yards against cincinnati and look cincinnati has a really good defensive line but 105 yards that's that's tough <clears throat> you know 63 of those were from uh marcus major and nine, nine, 19 of those came on you know that one big third down play and look he had a few good runs but this run game just was not consistently able to, you know, pick up yards. You know, 3.1 yards per carry is not what you want. Uh, they were able to supplement the run game a little bit with Dylan Gabriel a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we saw him run some options, some design runs for him. They thought that might take a little bit of the pressure off the backfield and open up some running lanes for those guys just with the threat of him running. And he made some good plays. Um, obviously had that fumble, which you don't want to see, but, you know, I, I don't put that completely on him. Uh, I think there was a missed block or two on that play. But I think this run game is a big question mark right now. I mean, they don't have an identity when it comes to the run game. You know, they're still cycling through these backs. You know, one week it's Marcus Major getting the bulk and carries others. It's Tawi Walker, who's probably been their most consistent back overall. But to not see Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk is a little puzzling. You wonder what if you know they had any sort of setback um, with their health or what, Jeff Levy right. said after the game, he just felt like Marcus Major had a really good week of practice and wanted to get him the majority of those carries. But they need to do something, you know, to get this run game going, or, or at least supplement it in some way, whether it's with you know screen passes to kind of stretch the field horizontally um, and get defenses to spread out a little bit more but they just haven't been able to effectively run the ball right now, which you know hasn't been an issue because of how explosive the passing game has been for the most part. But eventually, like, like we heard Brent Venables last week, eventually when a team is expecting them to run the ball, they're going to need to put the ball down and run it down their throat. And they're just not there yet. You know, and as you said, Tawi Walker is the, uh, the one we've seen that can really, you know, carry the rushing load when he's the premier back. Uh, for them, that's so far that we've seen this season. We haven't got a chance to see Gavin Sawchuk even be the the, the number one guy for yeah, really. a couple of series. I mean, he's has he's battling hamstring injury, you know, and those things can linger. So we haven't got the chance to see him. But as you said, they've been going with different guys each game, 
And as of right now, it seems like it's just going to be the guy that has the best practice that week, based on what Jeff Levy said. I mean, I'm not sure how you can find an identity when you keep shifting who's in the backfield and things like that. You know, they're struggling right now, but maybe Gavin Solchuk will be the answer when he's fully healthy. Maybe maybe that's what it is. But like, as, you, as Josh said, not to see Javante Barnes, I mean, that's surprising as well. I mean, not the, like, not one carry. I mean, nothing out there for him. That's that's surprising. I mean, Dylan Gabriel has had uh, a very a very good season. I know some of his teammates are talking about the Heisman and things like that. But it's just it's just hard when he doesn't have the complementary of uh, a decent run game to go along with it. You know, that would make things easier for him. I mean, he still has to be spectacular on the offense for them to get down the field and score. And it didn't it didn't happen a couple of times in that game. They've this offense has shown that they can score a lot of points when he's on fire and, and things like that. But when he's not and they really needed him, I mean, against Cincinnati, there was a couple of spots where they didn't get it. Marcus Major slipped on an, on a on a run and. You know, Dylan Gabriel missed a long throw that should have been a touchdown to a wide-open receiver. You know, things like that. When you don't have the perfect play, it's not working for this offense. You know, it's not necessarily what you need if you want to be a dynamic offense going forward. You need to figure it out, especially in the run game, which I think is going to make it easier for Dylan Gabriel and, and how this game is called each and every week. Yeah, they're going to have to figure something out eventually. And, you know, we've banged the drum. And, again, we're assuming health uh, with Javante Barnes. And, you know, I, I think it's plausible – that Gavin Sawchuck, he battled that hamstring. He didn't play a lot last year. They're kind of slow playing him. They don't want to give him too much, you know, right away or, or whatever. But Javante Barnes was Eric Gray's number two last year. It doesn't make sense that he's been demoted to this degree, in my opinion, assuming he's healthy, right? I mean, that, that's what we have to operate on is that he is healthy. Um, he's been the most effective when he's gotten the chance. He hasn't really gotten any chances. And I happen to think he's the most talented, and that's just my opinion. But – so we'll see how that how that uh, progresses, and they're going to have to figure something out eventually. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Passing-wise, Angela Anthony continues to be so good. Uh, Tom's hope that he'd be the leading receiver is looking phenomenal at the moment because he has been – I mean, he's been unbelievable. I mean, every single game he goes for 117 yards again, seven catches on eight targets. Um, like I've said a couple of times, he's crazy good. Uh, he's been so – he's just been fantastic so far. But also, just him and Dylan Gabriel just seem to have a chemistry. Like, he just – they just fit together. Gabriel knows what he's doing. He just has a good sense for it. I mean, Gabriel's deep balls have been a little, you know, I don't know, criticized, much maligned, whatever. But to Angela Anthony, he seems to be finding him. He seems to figure out how to make it work uh, with, with him. So another deep one for Anthony. It was about a 50-yard, 49, I think, officially. Yeah. Passing-wise, it, it's, it's, it's still working. Now, Dylan Gabriel, 
obviously statistically continues to be really good. There are some people that just refuse to have any nuance when talking about Dylan Gabriel's play. It's just numbers, numbers, numbers. There are more to it than just literally numbers. Yes, his completion percentage is really high, things like that. He misses guys that are open down the field. There's a couple spots where he forced it into guys when there were other guys open. Just go go check it out. Go look at it. I can think of one play in particular where Austin Starner is just chilling in the middle of the field wide open. He tried to force it in, I think, for Rook, and it was incomplete on, I think, a third down. Um, that kind of thing happens. It's not that that does happen. Um, so, but overall, the passing offense continues to be really good. And uh, it's what's carrying the team right now offensively, obviously, because the run game, like we just said, has been spotty. Yeah, quick note on Andrew Anthony. Um, obviously, he's been their top receiver so far through four games, but he's calling in like 83% of his targets on the season. That right. is really good. Um, he's been just a consistent playmaker. Um, you know, back-to-back 100-yard games now. Uh, just a guy that Dylan Gabriel trusts, like you said. Um, and then on the Dylan Gabriel note, look, he, this was by far not his best game of the season. He missed a couple throws that would obviously love to have back that probably would have been touchdowns, um, to be honest. And I would have, you know, put Cincinnati away earlier. But yeah, I think people need to have some perspective with him. You know, he, he gets a lot of criticism when he misses a couple of these throws here and there. And like I told you guys at the game, maybe it's just that I've covered a lot of bad quarterback <laughs> yeah. play over the last decade. Right. But you know how many teams would kill for a quarterback that completes 68% of his passes for over 300 yards? Those are good numbers. And obviously they weren't as good as his first three games. But he is a he's playing at a level that's good enough for this, te- this team to keep winning with a defense that's playing the way that it is. Um, and obviously, like, like James just said, if the run game can get going and kind of, again, more complimentary football and make life a little bit easier on him, I think he's going to play better than he did this weekend. But the people that are just like nitpicking every single throw and every incompletion need to just get a grip a little bit. I mean, he is a really good college quarterback. I know Oklahoma has really high standards. They've seen guys like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Caleb Williams come through here in recent years. But Dylan Gabriel is a very, very good college quarterback. He might not be, you know, a top tier NFL prospect like those guys are but he is a very good college quarterback and has done some really good things for this offense so far. Well, here's what sucks. And James, I want to get your thoughts on it too, of course, but here's what sucks for, for Dylan. This is not Dylan's fault. This is not Oklahoma's fault. This is just the, the way it is, is that obviously, like you said, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams is playing now, right? He's still play. We still watch him on Saturdays do what he's doing. And the reality of it that you can't help, but think about, think about this OU defense, what they're doing this year. And think about this exact same OU team. Everything's the same, but it's Caleb Williams instead of Dylan Gabriel. You're talking about a national championship team. And I don't think we feel like that. that and that's the difference right now. Again, that's not fair to – Caleb won a Heisman last year. You know what I mean? That's not fair, but that, that's reality. That's the way it is. Last year's team, same thing. They went 6-7 and seven last year, lost all those one-score games. Everything's the same, but it's Caleb Williams instead of Dylan Gabriel last year. They probably squeak out a few, a few more of those. Because this that guy's transcendent and he's gonna be a number one pick. And he was literally here. We watched him play in the uniform. So it's just the reality. That's just that's the where the bar is right. for all you fans. That that that's just how it is, unfortunately, for for Dylan and you know, Oklahoma. That's just that's just how it is. Yeah. But how many USC fans would kill for a defense that's playing like Oklahoma's right now, too? Yeah, I mean, if Oklahoma's defense is over at USC, they're they're winning <laughs> actually. It's the same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that's that's tough, Josh. It's a tough way to look at it. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, Dylan Gabriel's he's he's the guy right now. He's been QB one for the last two years, and as we've said before, when when OU needed a quarterback, he's the one that came off the plane to come keep the program afloat. I guess you could say, you know, just coming in when and, and leading them to six and seven. I know it's not you know the greatest season, but it could have been a lot worse if he hadn't come along and and, and been the quarterback last year. So. You know, you gotta give, still gotta give props to him. You still gotta give props mm -hmm. to him. He's gonna finish, statistically, as one of the best college football quarterbacks. You know, in, in the last you know decade, you know, it's, it's he's that. I mean, he's been good. So um, that's a tough way to look at it. That's a tough way to look at it. Yeah, like I said, it's just you know he is very good, and I I, I don't want it to seem like I'm the the the, the yeah. critique of, of Dylan Gabriel. It's just <laughs> there there is more nuance. It just yeah, he dinks and dunks his way. His completion percentage is really high, but he missed guys down. Like it's it's. It goes beyond numbers. You have to look at it. it yes, yeah, statistically, he's phenomenal. But mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a there's another separation there between Gabriel and then that next tier of college quarterbacks that you know a lot of other teams. He's not, you know, obviously Caleb is Caleb. He's what he is. But then even your Drake Mays, your Bo Nixes, your Quinn Ewers, is he with those guys? I don't know. Maybe, but I I don't know. And we'll, you mean guys that are going to be first or second round picks? <laughs> Well, we're also just really good. Bo Nick's not going to be no dang second round pick. He's just I mean, playing he's really been, well. The way he's been playing the last two years. I mean, he's, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Michael Penix, you know, yeah, I mean, Michael these Michael guys, he's not guy. where those guys are, and that's what you need to win big. Um, and that's you no, know, that's the question. I I don't think he is. You know, we're, we're four games in, but we'll see. Um, I like the way that. I like the way that he kind of got to scramble a little bit more in this one too. It kind of showed a little bit more that. That he can offer, you know, getting out there and running the ball and and doing his thing. I mean, that that looks pretty good for him to add that to his game because obviously we said the run game is not is not there all the way just yet. So Dylan Gabriel kind of took that in his hands, and when he had the opportunities, he did scramble. And I mean, that worked for Jalen Hurts when he was at OU. You know, just finding those holes and, and yeah. just running it yourself. You don't have to make the throw every single time. That that looked good for for Gabriel against Cincinnati last week. Yeah, and and Dylan's not the you know shiftiest player in the open field. Like he's not going to make a lot of guys miss. Right. But if you can, you know, supplement a little bit of the run game and mm -hmm. try to create some open lanes for these running backs by getting him a little bit more involved, you know, whether it's, you know, just a QB keeper. We saw a couple option plays that were pretty good. Some good reads from him. Um, you know, he made some key plays with his legs. You know, he's not going to be a true dual threat quarterback. I don't think anybody expects that of him. Mm -hmm. But they found ways to kind of use his legs to their advantage when they've needed to so far. So just another little wrinkle in that offense that we'll see how it continues to develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it seemed like the run game with Dylan was kind of, I don't know if it, it seemed this way. Maybe it's not, maybe it's too simplistic of a way to look at it. It seemed like it came almost in exchange with the fact that we saw no Jackson Arnold in this game. Obviously we've seen that Oklahoma try to do the Jackson Arnold Blake Bell thing, just kind of running him between the tackles and see what he can do. We let him, they let him throw a little bit against Tulsa, had the nice touchdown pass to Nick Anderson, things like that. We didn't see him at all for the first time this year. He didn't get out on the field. Um, do you guys, I, I guess, what any reaction to that at all? Is it just a road game thing? Is it a matchup thing you guys think? Or just they wanted, they decided, you know what, let's just run Gabriel more and let him get into a flow of things. Because I'll be honest, you know, I really don't mind not seeing Jackson Arnold. I was never a huge fan of the bringing him in and let's let him run. Like, you know, I, 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 I think I even said on the podcast, maybe I misremember. I think I said explicitly, like, what they're asking Jackson Arnold to do, I don't really see why Dylan Gabriel couldn't just do that, some of these run plays. Yeah. And we saw that more on Saturday. Um, 
I'll be curious if they go back to it or not, but I don't, I don't mind if it's, if it's done. I think letting Dylan just do the run stuff himself is fine to me. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, you know, teams so far through the season, when you bring Jackson Arnold in, in those situations, you kind of know what's going to happen. Um, but until they can get the rest of the run game going, I like the idea of using Dylan to try to create some things on the ground. Um, and it, it worked. Um, so we'll see how it continues. Again, obviously, you don't want to lose that fumble like they did down there inside the 10-yard line. Yeah, that hurt. But, yeah, but mm-hmm. there were other plays that he made with his legs that were just really solid heads-up plays. Mm-hmm. He yeah, was we stuck the goal line. Push that. I didn't think he was going to get in on that on the, on the <laughs> one. He, they they pushed him across. Tawi Walker helped out. Yeah, yeah. Tawi Walker and Walter Rouse with the assists there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tawi's strong, man. We've we've seen yeah. it. He's been running over people, man. That guy's strong. It's crazy. Rolling ball butcher knives. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> Tom. Tawi Walker gives you. Uh, you feel it if you go to tackle Tawi Walker. You're going to feel it. He makes you. He falls forward a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fun yeah. to watch. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. If Tawi, I don't yeah. know if Tawi Walker like needs to be their every down back or like their go to guy, but I really like the idea of him as their you know goal line back just because of his low mm-hmm. center of gravity and like you said, the first guy is not going to get him. Um, you know, he may not be the biggest guy, but he is. He is hard to bring down. So I like the idea of them using him closer to the goal line. Obviously, you get him some carries, you know, at different parts of the field. But I think he is the guy so far that has proven that he can he can break a tackle or two and get it, fall forward. You don't see him, you know, really right. lose yards. Right. Any last things on this game? I do want to also mention I'd be remiss. We should I should have brought it up earlier. We're kind of talking about the defense more. But Danny Sussman continues to be awesome. Uh, he's been so, so good. 13 tackles again. He again led the team in tackles. He also had three and a half tackles for loss and a sack in this game. He's playing, I mean, just crazy at a, at a very high level. And, you know, he, he, he you know, and, and rightfully so has a has a uh, reputation for being a kind of a goofball, funny guy. And he is. He's fun to talk to. But he is playing his tail off out there right now. And he's also, I mean, he is just, and we talked about it in the offseason and things like that. So it's nothing new, but he is, so clearly the leader of this team, he says all the right things in postgame and midweek. He's playing so well. He's their best offensive player, maybe their best player, period. Just Oklahoma is very fortunate to have Danny Sussman on this team. So, you know, he he continues to play at a, at a super high level. But anything else that stuck out to you guys from this game uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, along with Danny Sussman just, again, being solid consistent the the guy who you know is going to make a play yeah he's always running gotta, gotta give credit to key lawrence man he's he's just been a playmaker you know that's three straight mm-hmm. weeks now that he's forced to take away you know he had that forced fumble against smu he had one of the five interceptions last week against tulsa had that key interception in the end zone in this one i mean the dude's yeah. just finding ways to make plays it's nice to see him you know kind of settle in and find his role in this defense um after, after you know not not being that guy a year ago. Um, and he really, he really stepped up in this game because they were without Reggie Pearson. So, you know, he came in, got the start, played really well. You know, I think he wound up, he was the highest rated player on Oklahoma period, uh, according to pro football focus and the highest rated safety in the nation this week too. So lots mm-hmm. of credit to him for just the way he played. Um, that's, we talked about this a lot in the preseason and, you know, Seems like every week so far, but the depth of that secondary has just been really impressive so far. 
Yeah, I, I, my takeaway was, I mean, where's Nick Anderson at? I mean, how how healthy is he right now? I mean, we saw him go out there and get that intercept. I mean, the touchdown, the only touchdown uh, for the receiving corp last last Saturday. But where is he at? I mean, because he kind of got that hobbled. He was already kind of hurt before that play when he made that touchdown catch, but he didn't go back in after that. Just kind of rode the bike on the sideline. Hopefully, he's not too banged up. As I told Josh, this the you know the offense, the way that it has been so powerful is Gabriel and the receivers being so good. I mean, so you want to have all the guys available for that if you're going to continue this trend of having, you know, subpar running at this point in the season. Yeah, of course, you want Nick Anderson to be healthy, but I think the the one thing that Oklahoma can find some comfort in is just how deep that receiver room has been so far with guys like Jaden Gibson stepping up and making big plays. Andre Anthony, we talked about as their number one receiver. Jalil Farouk has been pretty dynamic. They, They need to find ways to get him the ball more consistently. You know, he caught just two of his seven targets this week, and he needs more touches than that. Um, and need, they need to be completions, too, <laughs> not just targets. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, you know, Drake Stoops, Gavin Freeman, Jaquez Petway, we haven't seen a whole lot of in recent weeks. But they have the bodies there if Nick Anderson's a little bit banged up and, you know, they want to, you know, hold him out this week and get him healthy for, for that Texas game because, man, we've seen him take the leap kind of in front of our eyes these last two weeks, you know, four touchdowns over the last two games, um, you know, really over the last six quarters because he didn't play much uh, the rest of the game after that. So um, obviously want him to be healthy, but they've got dudes at that receiver position right now. Yeah. No, Nick Anderson is, is you know, chasing some freshman records um, right now with him mean, four touchdowns, like he said, and he's, he's come around to being one of those guys that's just – uh, of just a handful to try and cover uh, his size and athleticism. He, he's a fun player to watch. Um, though they'd like to have him, certainly. The receiver group is very deep, but they'd like to have him. Hopefully he's all right. We'll see. We'll get an update from Brent Venables probably, I'd imagine, on uh, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, circling back to what Tom said about Key, you know, kind of uh, a little bit of the forgotten man uh, in the secondary, in the safety room especially. You know, in the offseason, obviously Billy Bowman's back. They had Reggie Pearson and people were excited about. Peyton Bones, this new shiny toy, this freshman. And, yeah, Key has been really, really good. Uh, like you said, highest-graded player on the team uh, last weekend. He, he's been he's been great uh, so far this uh, this season. So, shout-out to him. You know, they missed Reggie Pearson. He didn't play in this game. He didn't make the trip. And they didn't miss a beat um, defensively in that secondary, even with that. Peyton Bones seems to be really good. Billy Bowman had an interception in this game. So, as we foresaw in the offseason, that safety room is – the best position on the team, in my opinion. So it's, it's playing yeah. like it. And, and, and real quick, Oklahoma played 30 guys on defense in this game. Mm-hmm. We're just continuing to see that competitive depth that they talked about throughout the offseason. Um, you're not going to see a lot of teams playing 30 guys in a conference game on one side of the ball. You know, just by comparison, they only had 17 guys play on offense. They shored up that, uh, that rotation along the offensive line, at least. You know, four of the five starters played every snap. The only position that had any sort of change was left guard where Troy Everett started with Savion Bird out. He played 65 of the 75 snaps. Caden Green played the other 10. So they really kind of stuck with the same unit for the most part of this game, even though there were some struggles here and there. Mm-hmm. 100%. So Oklahoma gets it done. They're 4-0. The hurdle they couldn't quite get to last year, they got past it. And uh, now they're one week away from Texas. But before Texas is Iowa State this weekend – Looking ahead, obviously, like I said earlier, we'll break down the game in full on Thursday. People know the drill by now, I think. But 
looking ahead to this game, this seems like just a classic, I mean, textbook look-ahead spot, right? I mean, that's what everybody's watching for here. Iowa State is not any good. They beat Oklahoma State last weekend, but it's pretty clear that they are offensively challenged. Um, they lost Ohio the week before, uh, already have another loss to Iowa under their belt earlier in the year. You know, they're not awful, but they're not any good. Certainly not a game Oklahoma should lose. They're going to be big favorites this weekend. Is it just as simple, guys, as if Oklahoma's dialed in, they're not looking ahead, they're going to be just fine this weekend? Because it's hard to imagine with what Oklahoma's doing defensively right now, Iowa State being able to put together – drives um it seems like oklahoma should be should be pretty okay here i would imagine and then they should have a zero in the loss column going into you know next weekend down there in dallas yeah i mean if they stay focused they should be able to take that business pretty easily and you know to their credit they've said all the right things through these first four weeks that hey we're, we're taking this one day at a time one rep at a time one you know game at a time um so i don't think they're gonna be looking ahead at least you know not outward outwardly i'm sure there's been some preparations going on for Texas. You know, that's a game that you prepare for throughout the offseason. But I think that their focus this week is going to be on Iowa State and taking care of business because, you know, you have a chance to go into that Red River game on a collision course of two potentially undefeated teams. I know Texas has a little bit of a tough test this weekend with an undefeated mm-hmm. 25 Kansas coming into mm-hmm. Austin. We'll, we'll see how they handle that. But there's an opportunity for this to be a – potential top 10 matchup between two undefeated rivals uh, here in two weeks. So let's see if Oklahoma can, you know, stay focused, handle its business. And again, I think this defense is going to have another big time performance. Yeah. If we don't see Jackson Otter leading the, uh, the offense here late in the game, something went wrong, you know, just in garbage time, something went wrong for OU. If that's not the case, he should be out there fourth quarter, at least leading drives on his own and, you know, Getting Jacquez Petter way back in there, and let, let's see their connection. See how they how they how they uh, go with each other and things like that. But that should be the case in this one. It should be a an, a game that OU kind of just gets through, gets through it, and just want everybody to be healthy as they get ready for Texas. Yeah, the bigger threat to uh, ruin the five and zero, five and zero is Texas. They got Kansas coming in there this weekend. Lance Leipold has the Jayhawks playing good football. They're undefeated too in the top twenty five mm-hmm. now. Yeah, no. Just keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it and all weekend. Um, but yeah, if everything goes to uh, to plan, it should be Oklahoma and Texas, both five and zero, both with a nice high ranking going into next weekend, which will be a lot of fun. So we'll look forward to that when we get there. We got Iowa State up next. We'll break down the game in full on Thursday. We'll also, of course, loop Colin Kennedy in on Thursday's show to break down some of the latest on the recruiting side of things. So hopefully, you'll tune in to that one. Be sure to subscribe to Oklahoma247sports.com. We have got tons of content coming out of Cincinnati there for you uh, right now, and obviously a lot more coming in the coming days, getting into the next game, Iowa State and Oklahoma coming up on Saturday back in Norman. And be sure to subscribe to the Sooners Illustrated YouTube page. Tons of post-game reaction. Obviously, James Knight on the field right after the game, and then Brent Venables, players, coordinators, it's all there on the YouTube page. So be sure to keep up. Uh, over there so you don't miss anything from what the players and coaches have to say as the season goes along. That's it for now. We'll be back on Thursday to preview Iowa State. Until then, for Tom Green and James Jackson, James D. Jackson, got to make sure I get that D in there. James made, made a point to say, hey, man, get get the get the initial in there, so I'm going to make a better effort. James There's D. a lot Jackson. of us. There's a lot of us, man. <laughs> there is. You got every all 26 out letters in the alphabet. 
uh, before too long. <laughs> I'm Josh Calloway, signing off for now. We'll see you on Thursday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated podcast. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.